Hello, and thank you for joining us for the Hatchbend Apostolic Church web broadcast. In our society today, some, and yes, sadly, maybe even most, question the value of preaching in their lives. But we still believe what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. In essence, Paul preached that God has chosen the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. And so that's why we still place such a high value on the preached word of God in agreement to the scripture. And so now I'd like to thank you again for joining us for a message from the pulpit of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. Thank you, Jesus. Why don't we just lift our voices to the Lord this morning? Let's just worship Him for a few moments. Come on, let's worship the Lord. He's worthy of it. All the glory belongs to Him today. Lord, we worship you. We worship you, Jesus. We worship you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. You know, the thing about worship is that it always requires something of us. You know, when Abraham was asked to sacrifice his son Isaac, in his heart, he would already done it. He, you know, it was a done deal. He was going to sacrifice his son. So he told the crew that was there with him, he said, the lad and I are going, going up to worship. He was going up to sacrifice. He was going up to leave something on the altar and give it to the Lord. The most painful thing that could have been asked of him, he was going to leave it right there. But God always provides when we worship. God always responds when we build an altar of worship, God will respond with fire. So if we want the Lord to meet us where we're at today, it requires a little bit of us. It requires something of us to give. And I'm thankful this morning that I'm, and I'm in a, amongst people here that are willing to give, that are here to worship the Lord because he's worthy of it. Amen. Amen. Why don't we just put our hands together one more time? Jesus. Well, it's good to be back in Hatchbin, our second home, our second home. So we're glad to be with you all again. Um, we were, uh, it was kind of a last minute deal. Uh, your pastor got called away on business. So um, I know you're probably looking forward to hearing him preach today. So I apologize, but, uh, but we're glad to be here. And I know, I know you'll be glad to have him back and uh, when, when they're back in town, but he, uh, we, he's worn out, he's tired, and we had a ladies' conference this week. It was my first ever ladies' conference. So, it was everything that I thought it would be and more. <laughs> but we had a great time. Um, I think I saw some of the, the Hatchbin crew there uh, this, this week, so good representation there. And, and it, it was, I peeked my head in and out a little bit, and it was a great conference. And, um, but I can't wait to get home this afternoon and take just a little nap. Just take a little nap. So. Does anybody feel me out there? All right. That's the blessing of having a tired preachers. I probably won't go too long. So, but it's good to be here this morning. And, uh, I do believe I have a word of encouragement from the Lord. So if you'll, if you'll help me preach this morning, I believe the Lord has something left to do in this service. If you'll open your Bibles with me, the Old Testament, the book of 2 Chronicles, chapter 20. I'm going to read verse number 1, then I'm going to jump to verse number 13. 
2 Chronicles chapter 20, verse number 1. It came to pass after this also that the children of Moab and the children of Ammon and with them other beside the Ammonites came against Jehoshaphat to battle. Verse number 13. And all Judah stood before the Lord with their little ones, their wives, and their children. Then upon Jehaziel, the son of Zechariah, the son of Benaiah, the son of Jael, the son of Mattaniah, a Levite of the sons of Asaph, came the Spirit of the Lord in the midst of the congregation. And he said, Hearken ye, all Judah, and ye inhabitants of Jerusalem, and thou, King Jehoshaphat, Thus saith the Lord unto you, be not afraid nor dismayed by reason of this great multitude, for the battle is not yours, but God's. Tomorrow go ye down against them. Behold, they come up by the cliff of Ziz, and ye shall find them at the end of the brook before the wilderness of Jeruel. Ye shall not need to fight in this battle. Set yourselves, stand ye still, and see the salvation of the Lord with you, O Judah and Jerusalem. Fear not, nor be dismayed. Tomorrow go out against them. The Lord will be with you. And Jehoshaphat bowed his head with his face to the ground. And all Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem fell before the Lord, worshiping the Lord. And the Levites of the children of the Kohathites and the children of the Korhites stood up to praise the Lord God of Israel with a loud voice on high. And they rose early in the morning and went forth into the wilderness of Tekoa. And as they went forth, Jehoshaphat stood and said, Hear me, O Judah, and ye inhabitants of Jerusalem. Believe in the Lord your God, so shall ye be established. Believe his prophets, so shall ye prosper. And when he had consulted the people, he appointed singers unto the Lord, and that should praise the beauty of holiness, as they went out before the army, and to say, Praise the Lord, for his mercy endureth forever. Somebody say, Praise the Lord. Today, I want to talk to us about this subject, the power of preemptive praise, the power of preemptive praise. Why don't we lift our hands to the Lord one more time, and let's just invite the presence of the Lord into this place. Jesus, we thank you for your presence. We give you praise and glory for all that you've done so far. We ask right now that your word would be anointed, that you would do a mighty work among the people today. We'll give you the praise and the glory for it. In Jesus' name, Everybody said in Jesus' name. God bless you. You can be seated. There's power in preemptive praise. Psalm 150 says, praise ye the Lord. Praise God in his sanctuary. Praise him in the firmament of his power. Praise him for his mighty acts. Praise him according to his excellent greatness. Praise him with the sound of the trumpet. Praise him with the psaltery and harp. Praise him with the timbrel and dance. Praise him with stringed instruments and organs. Praise him upon the loud cymbals. Praise him upon the high-sounding cymbals. Let everything that hath breath praise the Lord. Praise ye the Lord. And I think it'd be all right if we did that one more time. Praise the Lord with me. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. In this often quoted passage of scripture, the psalmist tells us the appropriate ways and the appropriate times to praise the Lord. So if you would allow me a little liberty here this morning, I'd like to add this. Praise him in your storm. 
Praise him when you're sick. Praise him when you're depressed. Praise ye the Lord. Praise him when you're broke and you don't have money. Praise him when you lose your job. Praise him when your vehicle breaks down. Praise him when there's not enough food in the cabinets. Praise him when your family's gone crazy. Praise him when you don't have any more friends. Praise him when you're sick in your body. When you have breath in your lungs, you ought to praise the Lord. It doesn't matter what's going on in your life. He's worthy of our praise. Now, I don't have to tell you this. I know you're wise to the times, but we live in a perilous hour. We live in perilous times. The people of God, the church, is troubled on every side. We find ourselves, as Paul said, perplexed and persecuted and cast down. But this is no time to feel sorrowful about our circumstances. This is no time to have constant complaining and mourning in our prayers because as scripture says, nay, in all these things, we are more than conquerors. We're more than conquerors. In every situation in life, in every circumstance that we face, we are more than conquerors. So let's start acting like the victors that we are. And whether we feel like it or not, praise the Lord because he's worthy of it. Because he's worthy of it and because there's power in preemptive praise. Now, I want to give you a, a spoiler Okay, the word preemptive is just a fancy way of saying beforehand. Now, most of you probably already knew this, but it just sounded way better to say preemptive than beforehand. So when I say there's power in preemptive praise, what I mean is there's power in praising God in advance. There's power in praising him before you see your answer. There's power in praising him before you have the victory. There's something special there's something miraculous that happens when we take that approach in prayer and praise and worship and giving God the glory that he's worthy of before we see it, before we hear it. Amen. In the beginning of Second Chronicles chapter 20, our opening text, Jehoshaphat, king of Judah, receives word that a great multitude has gathered together against the kingdom. Now, Jehoshaphat, if we understand his history, he's recently turned his life back to the Lord after making the mistake of, of putting an evil alliance together with King Ahab. And if you know King Ahab and his wife Jezebel, they were probably the most notoriously wicked couple in Scripture. They were not the type of business partners you would want to go into business with. But Jehoshaphat had made that mistake and formed an alliance with King Ahab. But here in 2 Chronicles 20, Jehoshaphat is back on the right track. He's turned his life around, and he has ended this relationship with Ahab, and he is, he is getting back to how he should be. And it's in this moment of repentance, in this moment of turning his life back to God, that his kingdom is all of a sudden under threat. Now, it's it's interesting, we'll stop right here and mention this, that although you have your life together, that does not mean that you won't face trouble. It's often when you make the decision to turn your life back to God that you face trouble. Sometimes we say, I'm going to go to church on Sunday. I haven't been in a while, but I'm going to go to church. You make your way to church, service is great, music is great, preaching's great, 
everything goes good. Then when you get home, all of a sudden the floodgates open and you face trouble again. And your flesh wants to say, well, it's because you went to church. It's because you've, you, know, you decided to pray again. This is what you get for praying. Well, oftentimes trouble means you're on the right track. So Jehoshaphat here, he was facing trouble, but he was on the right track. He was doing the right thing. So if you're facing trouble this morning, you're on the right track. You're in the right place, so don't be discouraged. Don't stop praying. Don't stop being faithful to church. You made the right choice. So Jehoshaphat, is, he's received word that, that Judah is under threat and that they are, are basically going to be annihilated. This was no small threat. And Jehoshaphat and his army would not be able to withstand this attack. So in a moment of desperation, Jehoshaphat began to seek God. And he felt it necessary for the whole nation to seek God with him. So he proclaimed a fast. He proclaimed a fast throughout all Judah. He said, we're shutting off all the devices. We are, we are cutting out the meals. We're going to do everything we can to hear the voice of God. So as the people of Judah began to fast with Jehoshaphat, he then called a corporate prayer meeting. One of those old-fashioned middle-of-the-week prayer meetings where everybody gets together after work, they come to church, and they just have prayer. Jehoshaphat said, in the middle of this fast, we are going to have a prayer meeting. So he called everybody together, all of Judah. So they came to the house of the Lord Man, woman, boy, and girl, they got together. Families came. It was a full parking lot for prayer meeting. Amen? They gathered into that place. And Jehoshaphat, their leader, he got up in front of the congregation, and he saw distress on the people. They knew what was coming. They knew that they were under threat. They knew that there was a military power just on the outside of those doors just waiting to invade and that there was no way that they would overcome this. But Jehoshaphat got up in front of the people, and he began to speak to the Lord of his greatness. He didn't begin to complain. He didn't begin to whine and, and, and complain about their circumstance or their situation. But the Bible says he started to say things like this. He got up in front of the people, and he said, You are God in heaven. You rule over the kingdoms, and there is power in your hand. You are the God who drove out the inhabitants of this land and gave it to Abraham. If anything in this life comes against us, we will stand in this temple and call out to you because your name has been placed here. This is your house. Now, he said, there stands a great multitude at our door, and we have no power to withstand them, but our eyes are upon you. In other words, we have no power in this situation. We are completely hopeless, but this is your house. We are your people. You're in charge, so we are crying out to you, God, and seeking your power, seeking your answer in this moment. And as Jehoshaphat got up and spoke these powerful words before the congregation, all of a sudden, in the middle of this prayer meeting, in the middle of this corporate prayer, something miraculous took place. The Spirit of the Lord came into that congregation came through the middle of the aisles and swept through the pews and touched everybody there. And, and the Bible says that God's Spirit settled upon a man in the congregation named Jehaziel. And this man, this guy in the congregation, this one that was among the rest of the people, 
he stood as the spirit of the Lord rested on his shoulders and he began to prophesy. Second Chronicles 20, 15 through 17 says, as the spirit of the Lord rested on Jehaziel, he stood and said, hearken ye all Judah and ye inhabitants of Jerusalem. And thou, King Jehoshaphat, thus saith the Lord unto you, Be not afraid nor dismayed by reason of this great multitude, for the battle is not yours, but it is God's. Tomorrow go ye down against them. Behold, they come up by the cliff of Ziz, and ye shall find them at the end of the brook before the wilderness of Jeruel. Ye shall not need to fight in this battle, Set yourselves, stand ye still, and see the salvation of the Lord with you. O Judah and Jerusalem, fear not, nor be dismayed. Tomorrow go out against them, for the Lord will be with you. Now, sometimes crazy things happen in church services. Sometimes people just get inspired, and they come up and they say, I have a word from the Lord for you. And then all of a sudden you go, "Uh uh-oh, hold on a minute. Anybody feel me on that? Sometimes, you know, in these late prayer meetings, anybody ever been in an all-night prayer meeting? Sometimes people just get a little delirious. And they start saying things that are crazy. But it's, they're, they're prophesying, you see. So I wonder in my flesh, in my, my thinking, I wonder in this moment where Jehaziel began to prophesy, who kind of questioned the prophecy? Because it sounds crazy. Because you remember, there is a vast army outside the four walls. They are seeking, or they are facing certain defeat. There's no way that they can win this battle. But the word from the Lord is, tomorrow, go down against them. First of all, that sounds crazy because they can't win the battle anyway. But then the second crazy part is not only do you go down against them, but you don't even attempt to fight. Just stand in front of them and look at them. Just stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. Now, I would probably in this moment of prophecy look at my watch and say, Brother Jehaziel's just tired. Brother Jehaziel didn't eat dinner before he came. He needs to go to the break room and get a cup of coffee before he starts talking again. But the Bible says that faith hit the place, that all the people began to worship, that God's Spirit entered into that room and began to touch the hearts and encourage everyone there. And that as they heard this prophecy to go down before that vast army, to go out onto that battlefield and to just stand there and let God fight the battle, that all of a sudden faith hit the room and they begin to worship and praise the Lord and the foundations begin to shake and everyone was encouraged in that moment. Now as they left the place, they all went back to their homes and they all went back and and took a rest before the day began and and it's in those moments of, of rest and, and, and leaving a powerful service that doubt can hit your mind. You leave a powerful service and you leave the presence of the Lord and you've heard a great word, but then when you leave it, when you leave your friends and, 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 and the people that are in church with you and the, the fellow saints, the brothers and the sisters and the encouraging word, that's when doubt can hit. That's when you can become a little discouraged. So as they left that place, I wonder how many thought, had second thoughts and had second thoughts about the battle that was awaiting them the next day. But the Bible says that despite all that was against them, despite all of the, the logic and the reasoning that says you can't win this, that the next day that they gathered themselves together, that the families gathered themselves up and they got ready and they 
dressed themselves to leave the house. And as they made their way to the battlefield, there was Jehoshaphat waiting for them. He was waiting for them. And the Bible says that he stood and began to give instruction. And he told them, he said, you don't need your, you don't need your swords today. You don't need your spears and you don't need your arrows. You don't need your shields. You don't need that shiny armor. You don't need that battle-proven armor. He said, you don't take any weapons onto this battlefield today. But marching toward the invading armies, as Jehoshaphat led them, he appointed praise singers. He appointed musicians. He appointed sopranos and altos and tenors. And he even found room, I imagine, for a bass singer. He found a, possibly a cymbal player, a drummer, a bass player, trumpet player. Gathered all the musicians that he could find in the kingdom and all the singers. Whether you could sing or not, you had just joined the choir. He brought them all on the battlefield. They turned over towards that army that vast army that was getting ready to destroy them. And as they marched, they began to sing. They began to play their instruments. They praised the Lord in advance, preemptively, before any, vac- before any victory had been won, before any battle had been won. They began to march towards that army, praising the Lord. They surrendered and put their trust in him to win the battle. And they began to sing, Praise the Lord, for his mercy endureth forever. Praise the Lord for his mercy endureth forever. And as they marched on that battlefield, as they sang, as they clapped their hands, as they they danced and they took out the tambourines and the trumpets and any instrument they could find, as they marched towards that vast army, as they began to sing this praise unto God, the Lord set an ambush for the multitude of armies. And they began to battle each other out of confusion. They began to battle out of confusion, and the battle was miraculously won that day by God. Jehoshaphat and all of Judah, they were victorious in that moment. It's interesting to me that the enemy was confused, that as they marched out onto that field and and they put their trust in God and they praised him preemptively and advanced, that the enemy was so confused that they turned their swords on each other and began to kill each other. You know why? Because the enemy is always confused when we begin to praise God in advance. Because it doesn't make any sense for somebody who is sick to stand and to raise a weary arm to God in praise. It doesn't make any sense after the enemy has been attacking you all week to stand up from your seat and to begin to praise God. It doesn't make any sense to the enemy. It confuses him. It confuses the enemy of your soul when you praise him despite what is going on in your home and in your family. That's the powerful thing about praise. It's not supposed to make sense. It's not supposed to fit your situation. It's not supposed to to be in the instruction manual. You know, when something's broken and you, you open it up and you want to read how to fix it, When something's broken in your life, according to the flesh, according to man, it's not going to say, praise the Lord. It's going to say, go get counseling. It's going to say, go get the self-help book for A, B, C, and D, or go find out how to do this. No, nothing's going to say, just stand still and praise the Lord. But I'm here to tell you, when you stand and praise God in faith, when you put those weary hands together, when you lift your voice to God, despite how you feel, God responds in a powerful way 
and the enemy of your soul, the enemy that's been attacking you all week becomes confused. And God will bring you a swift and mighty victory. I think it'd be all right now if we just offered God a quick praise. Just offered him a praise this morning. Thank you, Jesus. Now, any military strategist would tell you, if they would read this account, they would probably be pretty critical. And they would say, this doesn't make any sense at all. But often the things of God don't make any sense. I was thinking that this morning when Brother Osborne was teaching such a great message. It doesn't make any sense that blood would wipe away stains. Does it make any sense that, that blood would wipe away stains and make us white as snow, right? But God doesn't operate according to our understanding. He doesn't operate according to what makes sense to us. Often he asks us to do things that don't make any sense. To, question, you know, to cause us to question ourselves and to see how far we're willing to go. Are we willing to step out in faith and do what he's asked us to do? When Jehoshaphat walked onto that battlefield holding a tambourine, clapping his hands, singing, dancing unto the Lord, there may have been some in the camp to wonder if this was the right instruction. There may have been some in the camp to wonder if he was leading them to certain death. It didn't make any sense. When problems come, when we feel like we're coming under fire from every direction, the last thing we want to do is praise God. The last thing we want to do is come to church, jump on our instrument, and begin to praise. The last thing that we want to do is stand there and clap our hands. Have you ever been in that moment of praise and worship? In that moment in service when everybody else is worshiping, but you know what you're going through. You know what you're facing. And it's awful hard to stand there with a smile on your face when everybody's seeing God is worthy of the praise. God's worthy of the glory. And to lift your hands to put your hands together and to lift your voice. It's hard in those moments to do that. It's hard when you know what you're facing. It's hard when you know there's no way out of your situation to give God praise. So the children of Judah, they were no different facing that vast army. They, Jehoshaphat was no different. He felt the weight of that doubt and that fear and that worry facing that enemy that, that, that could kill them at any moment. It was hard to pick up those instruments and praise. It was hard to go out on that battlefield and praise God, but there was power in stepping out in faith. There's power in it, church. That's what I'm here to tell you. That's where the power is. The power is praising God preemptively, praising him before you have your answer, praising him before you receive it. And that's the word for us today. Preemptive praise. There's power in it. Let's just give God another praise. Thank you, Jesus. The Bible says in 2 Chronicles 20 and 25, and when Jehoshaphat and his people came to take away the spoil of them, this is after the victory, they found among them in abundance both riches with the dead bodies, precious jewels, which they stripped off for themselves, more than they could carry away. And they were three days in gathering the spoil. It was so much. God wants to give us the spoil. Some of us have lost some things over the years. 
We once had joy. We once had peace that was stripped away by circumstance and, and life situations that have us down and have stripped us and robbed us of things, robbed us of our praise, robbed us of a prayer life, robbed us of our faith. But if we will learn this morning, in spite of our situation, to lift up our voices on the battlefield and praise God before the victory, God wants to give us our spoil. He's ready for us to take it back. But first, we've got to praise. First, we've got to praise him for who he is. Stop wrestling, stop wearying ourselves and praise him for who he is and let him fight the battle. Judah collected three days worth of spoils. So God not only wants to give you back what you've lost, but God wants us to get back some more stuff. Some stuff that we didn't even have in the beginning. A little ounce of joy that wasn't there in the first place. A little bit of peace that didn't exist before. God wants to give us our stuff back and then some. But first, we've got to learn how to praise God in advance. Second Chronicles 20, 29 says, And the fear of God was in all the kingdoms of those countries when they had heard that the Lord fought against the enemies of Israel. If we can learn to praise God in advance, if we can learn to walk out onto our battlefield and praise him for who he is, the enemy is going to know who we are. With the work that the Lord is ready to do in this church and in our lives, the enemy, understand this, is going to faint and going to be afraid. It, it, you read about it all throughout Scripture. Anytime God would give Israel victory, anytime they would do something that in the moment seemed impossible, the place down the road, the next battle, the next conquest, always heard about what happened previously. When the children of Israel went into uh, Jericho, they already knew that they were conquered. Why? Because they had heard about the Red Sea, the Bible says. They had heard about how God had brought them out of Egypt. So there's something we've got to understand. God will take us from victory to victory to victory. So if we will learn to praise God in our circumstance, praise him for what he did for you yesterday, the victory that you need tomorrow, we'll hear about it. The enemy that's waiting for you at home today will hear about the victory. But we've got to first learn how to praise God in advance. Second Chronicles 20.30 says, The realm of Jehoshaphat was quiet, for his God gave him rest round about. Is there some weary people in here today? I know physically, but spiritually. Spiritually just tired of fighting life's circumstances and situations. Tired of struggling and trying to fight the battle on your own. But God is telling us this morning, if you'll just stand still and praise me in advance, there's victory and there's rest coming. There's a season of rest and revival that is anxious to break out in your life. But first, praise. First, praise. We are in spiritual warfare. It's often been said that the things that we see manifested in life, the situations that we go through, are a result of what's happening in the spirit. So don't be confused. We don't wrestle against flesh and blood. We don't wrestle against the physical things, but that's just a manifestation of what's happening in the spirit. The Lord is coming soon. 
And the enemy knows that. The devil knows that his time is so close to being over. So he's amping up his attacks on the church. He's giving it everything that he's got. We're seeing the effects of these attacks in our lives, physically, mentally tired and worn down. Old temptations, vices, and sins are starting to show their faces in our lives again. Guilt, condemnation, attacking the mind. Everything that is within us says to fight, to struggle, to defeat them on our own. Frustration sets in and the voice of defeat gets in our ear. But if we can just learn to lay down our arms, to lay down the struggle that we find ourselves in, and just begin to lift our voices to him in praise, whether we feel like it or not, we'll understand and we'll see that there is power in preemptive praise. There's power in praising him before we receive the answer. Now there is scriptural precedent for this, and I'm getting ready to close here in a moment. There are examples all throughout scripture of preemptive praise. It's Paul and Silas still in chains, locked in a prison. But the Bible says when the clock struck midnight, Praises began to ring. Not when the chains were off. Not when the prison door was open. Not when they found themselves back at home with their families in a comfortable bed and hot food on the table and a clean shower and a nice change of clothes. No, it was in their circumstance. It was in those chains in that prison. It was in that moment of darkness and fear in that dreary in that wet and damp prison, on that cold and uncomfortable floor that Paul and Silas began to praise God preemptively before the doors were open. We mentioned it, but it's Joshua and the children of Israel marching around those thick and mighty walls of Jericho before there was even one crack in the wall. They begin to sing and they begin to praise God in advance for the victory. It's Jonathan and his armor bearer going into the enemy's camp on a maybe, attacking and coming out victorious. There is a scriptural precedent, understand this, for preemptive praise. There is something powerful that happens when we praise God in advance. If you would stand with me this morning. Preemptive praise works just like this. By praising him for who he is, Our faith gets elevated. You see, he is unable to move as long as we're focused on our problem and the limitations of the situation. When we're focusing on our problem, logic and reasoning sets in and tells us that this can't be fixed, that there's no way out of this. In the New Testament, Jesus himself was unable to perform miracles in Nazareth. Why is that? Because they looked at surface limitations. They looked at him and they said, that's just the carpenter's boy. We watched him raise up. There's no way that he's doing all these things that they say he's doing. Logic and reasoning told them it was impossible. So he was unable to work there. See, God has a purpose. He has a will and he's all powerful. But we can limit him when we begin to focus on our situation when we begin to focus on the problem at hand and not who he is. But when we begin to do like the psalmist said, he said, oh, magnify the Lord with me 
and let us exalt his name together. I always like to think of it like a magnifying glass. You ever take a magnifying glass and then you, you put it up in front of something and it gets so big and it seems so much bigger than anything else around it? That's what happens when we magnify God. All of a sudden, he is so much greater. He is so much vaster. He is bigger than anything else that's in our lives at the moment. Now we, as human beings, we base our praise on performance. If you're doing a good job, then we will tell you you're doing a good job. It's like a performance evaluation at work. Anybody get scared of those? Because you know you've been slacking off, but you don't know if the boss has been watching. And so they sit down and they, you know, they give you the, the max, you know, max we can do here is 6% raise, you know, something like that. But that's how we operate. If you're doing a good job, we'll, we'll tell you you're doing a good job. If you're not doing a good job, we just may not say anything. But see, I think that, that manifests itself over into our praise, into our prayer lives. If God's doing a good job, we'll tell him he's doing good. If we felt him this morning in church, we'll say, man, church was good. If the song starts and the praise singers start and the musicians are playing and we feel those goosebumps go up our spine, we might lift our hands. But the, the power is when we don't feel like it. The power is when our bodies are hurting, when we're depressed, when we don't know how to get out of the current situation. That's where the power is. When we begin to lift him up and say, I haven't felt you yet today. You haven't answered my prayer yet. My body's not healed yet, but you're worthy of the praise. You're greater. You're more powerful than anything in this life. You were here before the world began. You created the heavens and the earth alone and by yourself. There's nobody to the right of you, nobody to the left of you. You're the great physician. You're the great provider. You're the healer. And so I give you the praise and glory that you're worthy of. Church, I'm here to tell us this morning that there's power in preemptive praise. There's power in praising him in advance. So I want to encourage us as we come to a close, no matter the situation you find yourself in, if you can find it within yourself to lift up a voice of praise, to lift up your hands in praise, to clap your hands unto the Lord and to give him the praise he's worthy of. There's power in preemptive praise. Come on, church, let's praise the Lord in advance. Let's praise him in advance. This message has been brought to you today by the media ministry of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. We pray that it's ministered to you in some way, and we'd like to take this opportunity to invite you to join us in service here at Hatchbend Apostolic. Our Sunday services begin at 10 a.m. and our Wednesday night service at 7.30 p.m. For any more information or to speak with our ministry staff, please feel free to call our church office at 386-935-2806, or you can visit the contact link here on our website. Again, thank you for listening, and we pray God's richest blessings on you and your family.